Hello and welcome to Dark Alignment Podcast. I am Brittany. And I'm Aruka Rose. And we are a true crime astrology podcast here to bring you all sorts of great things right now up in your face. All sorts up in your face. Immediately in your face. Immediately. And that's the way you like it. Actually, actually it's already happened. You just um, blacked out for the entire episode. So thanks, everybody. Oh, no. Um, that... See you next time. I do feel like I blacked <laughs> out just now. So th- that was very effective. Um, well, last time that we were here, we covered Anna Delvey. We did. And that was a lot of fun. She is a very interesting character. So for those of you who missed that, please go back and check it out. Um, If this is your first time with us, welcome. We're so happy you're here. Um, Trigger warning, though, we're going to be talking about murder, and this episode in particular has a lot of murder. Sometimes we have stories like last week, there was no murder at all. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about a dark kind of character. You just, we got to bring you back a heavy hitter, guys. Right. It's time for murder once again. Yes. We have only had, like, women here recently, too, like the last three episodes i think we're a lot of females so i was ready i was like i we gotta do a heavy hitter we gotta do one of the worst people we are gonna cover the green river killer gary ridgeway tonight so super super gross story so trigger warning there if you're new uh also make sure you don't miss any more videos like if you're new Mm -hmm. like you want to stay on top of it yeah. And if you're a returning listener, you've already got it down. Mm-hmm. So you don't need, we don't, we're not even telling you instructions right now, except please give us some comments, some likes, subscribe, mm-hmm. uh, rate and review if you can, especially mm-hmm. reviews. If you are on any platform that allows you to do that, mm-hmm. we would love to get five stars. It really, really helps the show out. That's like the best possible thing. If you want to just like help us out just like a tiny bit, mm-hmm. it's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. So please do that. Also, share this podcast mm-hmm. with, I know you've challenged people. Did you get any <laughs> screenshots from anybody of accepting your challenge to share it with, I think you said five friends right now and send me a screenshot to prove it? Like, yeah, you had a request or something. You know, I don't know if I've checked the dark alignment messages in a minute. Okay. Then, so I need to, I need to look. There could be a screenshot waiting in your DMs. And if you are the person who followed Aruka's instructions, like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if, and if you haven't done it yet, you could actually beat everybody to the punch right now. Like, mm-hmm. what if you're the first one? Mm-hmm. Um, you will get special shout-outs on the oh, show. Oh, for sure. If you share it with for five sure. friends and prove it to us. Um, um, also, you can hit the bell if you're on YouTube. Yes. Or I'm sure, I think a lot of the podcast platforms have, like, a favorites or notification option. And go ahead and turn all those on. You are right. Um, and if you really, really want more, you can join our Patreon. Patreon mm-hmm. has been watching. They actually just got another video before this. It was um, really funny. And it, <laughs> it was, a it was one, completely actually. unplanned. Uh, it was totally unplanned, mm-hmm. but we kind of talked about um, if we could hire anyone for anything. What would mm-hmm. we hire? And we kind of talked about some astrology in there mm-hmm. and why we chose what we chose. It was a good time. Um, so we give a lot of really fun, interesting, random content on Patreon. Mm-hmm. We'd love to have you join us there. There's three tiers, so check that out. Um, we also have merchandise. Mm-hmm. So you can get a dark alignment sticker or you can get a dark alignment candle. So available on our website at darkalignmentpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Easy, easy yes. stuff. Easy to remember. Oh, you know, you forgot something about Patreon. What? They get access to the Patreon archive. Oh, yes. Tell the us Patreon about- archive. Say more are, things, yes. Are a place, it's, it's, a, it's a place you can go to see all of the charts 
with your own eyes of all of the people we have covered and then you've listened to with your ears. So you're really including more senses into the experience yes. of, of being able to see and hear these charts. Um, also, we have there for every chart the corresponding show notes. Yes. So you could even read along if you wanted to. And I mean, I don't say it word for word, um, but you can enjoy <laughs> my writing style and try to write it's it really in fun. an entertaining <laughs> way. Um, I, there's also actual papers that I've written on there because we've talked about them on Patreon mm -hmm. and like we've, they've been relevant before. So we've actually got a lot of my college assignments, like my, <laughs> my psychology assignments mm -hmm. on there that are kind of fun, like research projects on, mm -hmm. on different. Yeah, though, for those who don't know, she went to school oh, yeah. for criminal psychology. Yeah, I don't really talk about it, but that mm -hmm. did happen. Um, so yeah. I think um, a lot of people don't know. I try to put it in there. I um, try to, stuff, like, but... never talk about anything <laughs> that involves me. You know how I get. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I did. I do know some stuff uh, about psychology. You did, you did some learning. I did some learning. And I got a degree. You, you got a whole degree for it. Um, uh -huh. But, yeah, all that is available on Patreon. And let's see. We also both do personal readings. Yes. So Lots of great ones. Um I've got Mother's Day ones, Father's Day ones, Eclipse ones that are really like big deal right now. My Eclipse reading is so dope. I have seriously, you can look at like my playbacks <laughs> on there. I think I've listened to it maybe eight times now. And I <laughs> she likes yeah. I have to listen to it over and over and over and over and like feel the message real mm -hmm. hard. I, like different things will stand out to me each time I listen. I'll like wait a few days and like re-listen to it, and I some think, of it's already happened. Right. And that's, that's the thing with my readings and the, with the people I like to get readings from as well. Like, I'm giving you a recording. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like a consultation where I'm giving you time to react and, and like, process and ask another question. Like, this is, this is a recorded reading. So I want to pack as much information in there as I can. And you'll even hear me start to channel really fast. Yeah. And I'll start talking, like, pretty, like pretty quick. Um, but I know that you can always go back and listen to it again. Yeah. Um, so I really just want to make sure I give as much as I can in the that amount of time. It really is awesome. Um, I, I get readings from you all the time. And if you haven't yet, mm -hmm. you definitely should. I highly recommend it. She is amazing. And I'm, I know that I'm biased, but I'm also like very honest. I wouldn't say that if I didn't actually believe it. And I wouldn't purchase readings from <laughs> anyone that I didn't think was doing a good job. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Please Definitely. book reading. And then I do um, tarot and energy readings. Mm -hmm. I am a certified Reiki healer also. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I can't do that. You can't. You unless can't. you're There's here. There's a lot of remote. But I don't she do, prefers I don't, to not do remote. I like in-person Reiki. Uh -huh. But I do have that on my website. Uh, I do sensuality sections. Mm -hmm. I do dream analysis readings. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a book about dream analytics. Yes. It's available on Amazon and on my website. So we'll put all the links to all the things. Mm -hmm. But enough about us. <laughs> We let's, know. Let's talk about. Let's talk about Ridgie. We know why the fuck you're here. It's because you want to hear about, about Ridgie. this monster, Ridgie. Gary Ridgie Ridgeway. <laughs> um, his actual name is Gary Leon Ridgeway, but I like Ridgie better. That's his new. You know, I like to give nicknames to the mm -hmm. people in these episodes. So he's Ridgie Ridge. <laughs> I love it so much. What did you call him earlier? I said Ridgie. It's been. But Ridgie. you said something. You were. Titling. Oh, I also uh, made a typo and then called him Ridley. Yeah, you did. So it was Ridgie Ridley for a minute. <laughs> 
That's what it was. Uh, it, it was very entertaining. It, was it just it's gonna if I go far after too far past that, it's just gonna be a completely different name. I like it. Um, yeah, keep doing it. <laughs> I like to see how the name evolves. Mm -hmm. And these are people that you know you don't get like super upset. Uh, you know, like horrendous murderers you don't get super upset for uh, messing up their name yeah we don't really they uh, deserve to at the very least have their name screwed up even if they have an easy name like gary ridgeway um even more so they deserve to have their name a little bit messed up just because it's never happened to them before and i grew up with a really horrible name so anyway getting into the story my sources first of all um, so Wikipedia, always my favorite. So donate to their website if you are a Wikipedia user. Um, Real Crime, Gary Ridgway, The Green River Killer, which is a documentary. Unsolved Mysteries had a really fun um, episode because they hadn't caught him yet. Mm. It was an old school episode and it was like really fun to see like, the, they talked about the other suspects and Gary Ridgway was not one of them at the time. So it. it was fun. Mm -hmm. They didn't update at the end of the show, you know, the way they do. But it was neat to see kind of a different perspective before the case was solved and they didn't actually know. So that yeah. was a really cool moment in time. Uh, mm -hmm. I love Unsolved Mysteries. And then World's Most Evil Killers, Season 3, Episode 3. Mm -hmm. And then just countless times that I've watched, heard this story over the years. This was not... A new story to me so there's right. a lot of just background that I don't always know where I picked it up with a story like this or with somebody like Ted Bundy or Richard Ramirez or John Wayne Gacy like you know the heavy hitters you just you hear about them more mm -hmm. so you know there might be some other other shit sprinkled in extra there. details that you can't quite place yes untraceable details untraceable untraceable details, details. I wish we could like title this episode on untraceable <laughs> details but that wouldn't make sense uh, that's not how we do it here. Mm -hmm. So, um, do you know anything about Gary Ridgway right now? Other than just like his chart? Because you looked at his chart. I know notes. he murdered people. Okay. I didn't know. That's if all. I, I almost listened to a video about about someone explaining because I thought it was going to be their astrological take on him. But it was only oh. that he was an Aquarius. So, I was like, okay, I'm not listening to this. Oh, yeah, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> but i mean not to diss the video no I mean, but, but like that wasn't but the, it wasn't what i was looking for right i was looking for someone who looked at his chart not that just casually someone who, mentioned who knew he was an aquarius which yeah. by the way he is an aquarius ta-da mm -hmm. um he is an aquarius so let me give you a quick overview of kind of what he was all about mm -hmm. are you Sweet. are you ready yeah okay mm -hmm. well trigger warning once again in case y'all fast forwarded through the trigger warning for whatever reason um so the Green River Killer, this was happening outside of Seattle City Limits. Seattle City Limits. Seattle City Limits. Um, <laughs> did I say that way? No, it was the, all the city, the Seattle, city, Seattle. Yeah. So I that's feel like where... I want to make a tongue twister. Okay, well, I'll circle this and make a <laughs> note. I'm going to write tongue twister and later we'll workshop go, it after. Yeah, yeah. We'll do um, we'll yeah. do a TikTok of the, doing this tongue twister. Yes, that's what we're doing. Sounds good. That's what we're doing later. So follow us on TikTok. Um, anyway, the Green River Killer murdered over four dozen women. It's a lot. Mostly sex workers. Oh um, he often engaged in necrophilic acts with them after they had died. 
And all the while, he portrayed himself as a gentle family man, a father, and a husband. Um, he was legit hiding in plain sight among everyone. No one suspected him. Um, the total number of his victims has not been confirmed to this day. He's one of America's most prolific serial murderers in history, and he has 49 confirmed victims who were all recovered from, um, like, in the river and around mm -hmm. the Green River. So he got away with this for around 20 years before he was finally caught. So... Sounds... Yeah. Wow. Long-standing. Mm -hmm. Long-standing. Um, do you have any... Do you want to go ahead and talk about, like, just his sun, moon, rising yeah. before we talk so about his childhood? I, was, I wanted to say... Yeah. <laughs> I felt like you had something. the fact that she's been real uh, in my head today. I have I've been, been like predicting predicting shit. stuff. I say <laughs> we're so connected. Um, I, I like it. I like it. I don't feel like many people can do that with me. Get a bestie that can read your mind. <laughs> okay. Um, so the fact that he wasn't caught for a long time. Guess what? Guess what he has in his top three? Scorpio. Yeah, he's got, he's got a big Scorpio place. Man. I've never seen his chart. This mm -hmm. is just that we see this with any Scorpios we've had. Mm -hmm. this Major Scorpio placements, it's been like, oh, it took a long time for them to, mm -hmm. to get caught. Or nobody thought that they, that was, you know, something that they would do. Like, it, it was like... It'll come up again later. I don't want to spoil it. With, especially with, like, um, GSK... Mm -hmm. And maybe the Zodiac Killer. Like, it's just suspects. so long. Yeah. So long. Major. To, it's the Scorpios that are, like, really almost getting away or getting away with stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, ooh, spooky. So, Scorpio Moon. Okay. And then, okay, so this is also funny. Um, he's got an Aquarius sun and an Aquarius rising. So he's also a double Aquarius oh, Scorpio like me. Oh, wow. But it's his moon in Scorpio instead of his sun. So Interesting. That is really interesting. It's really weird now, like in the later seasons, we're getting more of them have similar charts to me. Right. When all we started off, ones. they were all like you, and now they're getting to be like me. You're getting your turn of But it's good relating. to know that, you know, if I was going to murder somebody, I would get away with it for a long time. Oh, that's actually really Because that's scary. what I'm taking away from it. Yeah, her. that's the lesson um, here is you can... <laughs> it, that it's, it'd, be, it'd be probably... Yeah, anyway, I need to stop talking about that. I have yeah, no don't desire. like give it away. I have no... This is officially evidence at your murder trial. <laughs> I have no desire to hurt anyone in any in no, any you're way. The best. She she's not gonna murder you. The only anybody. person I've ever physically hurt. I pushed my sister one time, and I got in a lot of trouble for it. Oh no! It was the only thing I ever done. It was a violent. That was your only violent act. Yeah, I got in a lot of trouble. I I just had her shoulders, you know, and I just <laughs> pushed her, and then she felt she the wall was really close behind her, so she like hit the wall, <laughs> and then she like screamed and cried and like left. But she was, I mean, she was a kid. Um, wow. I, she had really gotten me mad. Um, I feel like siblings would have been hard. <laughs> I'm an only child, mm -hmm. so um, I love hearing sibling stories. <laughs> I feel like siblings are real mean to each other a lot, so maybe oh, no, you were we nice. Were, we were, I was very... You were I nice. think I was nice, uh, but that's the only, other, only time. I don't see myself being any kind of killer. So yeah, anyway, I don't, I, don't, I don't really like murderers <laughs> so much, and we're, gonna, we're about to talk about the uh, childhood. Mm -hmm. Of a murderer that we are all here to hate because he's fucking terrible. But he did have a really um, pretty gross childhood. Uh, not great. So. Gross. Gary Leon. Okay. Gary Leon Ridgey Ridgeway was born February 18th, 1949 in Salt Lake City, Utah. 
he was the middle child, so, you know. Okay. People say what they say. My mom was the middle child, and she makes comments about it a lot, so I guess it's a thing. Can I make a prediction? Yes. He's going to have a lot of mommy issues, and he's going to have a really, like, a prominent father, It like, like around, like, some kind of father figure that's going to, like, make him feel like he should be... Um, like, maybe he will be, feel like he doesn't want to be like his father, and then he ends up actually being, like, just like his father, oh. and then uh, his father's probably, like, a really, like, uh, mean dude. That's my so, prediction. Based on his chart. That is amazing. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I would like to say one of the common themes that we see in serial murderers, mm-hmm. specifically serial killers, is severe issues with the mother. Yeah. It's consistent. Um, this chart is no different, and the story we're about to get into, some super weird mom stuff. This whole section is trigger warning. It it's, can be a little upsetting, <clears throat> so you definitely, um, it, you're going to love hearing like how right you are about this <laughs> as we go. I saw part of your reaction at first, and then you leaned back, so I, I just kept talking and didn't see what you did. Yeah, I was just like smiling all and right, enjoying right. it. Okay. So, um, he's a middle child. He has two brothers and, uh, yeah, bad home life. He grew up with a mother who was described as domineering. His father was a bus driver. One thing about his dad, though, is he often made verbal complaints about sex workers. So his dad Mm. held these really strong beliefs about women, um, especially sex workers, like, very vocal about it. Um, his parents supposedly fought a lot. There was a significant amount of violence in the home. It sounds like it was like bi-directional, like both parents were oh, wow. the aggressors, you know, like um, so lo- mm-hmm. that's a chaotic environment. By all accounts, Gary's mother was an overly sexualized mom <laughs> who dressed I have this in my notes. <laughs> who dressed in oh my god, are you serious? Yeah. So I yeah. have her outfits. You, you I'm hear? looking at it in front of me. Holy shit. Okay. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> she wore tight shorts, short skirts, and low-cut tops. She also wore her hair in like a big bouffant, like crazy <laughs> big on top of her head bouffant, and lots and lots of makeup. Oh, wow. So she was like real done up, you know, like really never probably left the house, like mm-hmm. that being super, super put together and kind of the way she wanted to be. Um, she was described as attractive and provocative by friends and neighbors. So she had a lot of like strong sexual energy, which I think is really, really interesting. Like she's exuding this. You want to know why? Overt sexuality. Yeah. Let's talk about it. You want to know what it looks like? Yes, I absolutely do. Okay. So his moon is in the eighth house. Okay. Um, and his moon is in Scorpio. Right. So that is Scorpio in the Scorpio house. Mm -hmm. Um, so all of those concepts um those scorpionic concepts like uh power struggles sex um even death i I don't know if like the mom anyway um secrets um even like esoteric and spiritual involvement drama a lot of that is really um connected with this type of placement there's also you know him personally he'll have like an emotional intensity um because of this idea like because he's gonna feel like he was constantly dealing with trauma and surviving crises um so he's had to learn to like cope and overcome all those situations over and over and over um 
So he, he it'll make him a secretive, emotionally and defensive, and and probably kind of like measured, detailed with how he like, you know, does things emotionally. A lot of trust issues. Um, even though he'll want like a deep, deep intimacy, he mm-hmm. he'll be too scared of it. Um, especially interested in death and sex and healing and spiritual esoteric subjects. The moon is square to Venus. So like a struggle with loving energy or aesthetics, um, as with this also representing the mom, we'll see that same thing, a struggle with feeling, um, love and care from mom. Um, so he's also going to have that in relationships pop up. Um, it can also accentuate this kind of aspect, like Moon Square Venus is kind of like a bitch. Like, this is a bitchy side coming out. So, mm. bitchy side of mom, bitchy side of himself, probably. Wow. Um, I, like, and then... I like how you worded that, though. <laughs> it's acting like a bitch. What? <laughs> it's from, from previous episodes. Well, this might be more um, embodiment. Um, I like it. Than, than that. Ooh, but yes. Bitch embodiment. <laughs> I'm writing that down just because I want to remember it. I like later. that, too. Um, okay, the moon is trying Mars, so that's where you're getting a lot of this, like, she's also the aggressor yep. situation, where she's also violent and domineering. That um, it can also make it where it's easier for him to express his feelings through action, mm-hmm. rather than um, speaking, because his moon is also square Mercury. So that's struggle to articulate and communicate his feelings, and perceptions and make sense of his inner world so it's it's the easiest thing on his chart is for him to like do something about it rather than like try to talk about it or try to understand how he's feeling uh that's gonna be really challenging for him not uh, and for anyone also who has these kind of placements it's not anything you can't work through um he just i don't it doesn't seem like he really tried to um or that wasn't what he how he used this energy on his chart um, at his core, he's experiencing difficulty expressing what seems to be incommunicable. In- I just wanted to say incommunicable. That is a great word. Um, and then lastly, his moon is square Pluto, which again is a lot of power struggle, a lot of sex themes coming up again, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, quintuple fold now. Mm-hmm. Mars can also have um, passion sex themes come up with that. Um, this kind of placement would make it where you tend to respond to situations and emotions in a ruthless way, um, in a self-punishing way, with, uh, difficulty making a good use of your power and intuition. There's a struggle to dig deep into emotions and bring them to the surface with this type of placement. Um, it, it, it makes your, it puts stress on the sense of intuition, power dynamics, um, it also motivation a little bit, but um, he's got that Mars trine, so I'm really not feeling like that. Um, yeah, okay. I think I think that's pretty much All it. Right. But I, I put a whole thing about mom issues. That's in fun, here. and we haven't even gotten to the mom issues yet. We <laughs> so all, now this is a precursor to the mom issues. Uh-huh. So. Quickly going to kind of talk about um, some of the major risk factors. Like we all, I always want to highlight that a little bit mm-hmm. as we go through. Um, it's neat to kind of understand the commonalities and the recurring yeah. themes. It's not that any of these cause someone to become a killer, serial mm-hmm. murderer, whatever. Um, but they kind of all pile up. It's mm-hmm. like getting the sink clogged with yeah. like little pieces of this, little pieces of that. When there's too much of it and there's nothing to kind of 
push its way through, mm-hmm. you know, it, this is it where... It makes it more likely. Yes. It, um, it, with each risk factor, like, as they are multi-layered, it increases the likelihood of antisocial behavior. And that can come in a lot of different forms, um, but violence is definitely mm-hmm. part of that pathway. So that's, like, an extreme side of of coping with it. So Gary struggled with some of the classic serial killer childhood things. A big one was bedwetting. That is a significant uh, risk factor. It is just the shame of it. It's just to continue to be bedwetting past like kindergarten. Oh, that's like a trauma thing too. Yeah. So he um, continued to wet the bed until he was a teenager. So yeah. Other risk factors are fire starting and harming animals. He has some of that Mm -hmm. sprinkled in later. But, like, it's a big red flag if you've got a teenager that is still wetting the bed. Like, that's really a, not a good thing. And when this happened, his mother made it a whole lot worse. So, it's very trigger warning. This is really rough. So, she yeah. would wash him herself and, like, put him in a bathtub and, like, scrub his genitals. Mm. And, like, so that's, like, really inappropriate. It's even more traumatizing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he started to become aroused by it, which was also confusing and traumatic. Yeah. One time, like, oh one particular night, she was scrubbing him, and her robe came open, and she was naked underneath. So he saw her naked and no. had sexual thoughts about her and arousal, and he knew it was wrong. Like, he says he knew it was wrong. But he was, like, he was going through puberty. He's really confused. This is a really weird, you know, his mother's already, like, this overtly sexual. There's a lot going on here that's really creating some internal issues. So he later, as an adult, told psychiatrists Mm -hmm. that he had all these conflicting feelings of anger Mm -hmm. and sexual attraction towards his mother. But that he also fantasized about killing her. Yeah. So he's Those having are all Scorpio, Eighth House, yes. Mars, Pluto, Venus, all of that, all of this. So yeah, that's not good. And like I said, the fire starting, like that started around this time as well. So arson is another mm-hmm. is another act. Like these are all just these are kind of more serious red flags. These aren't really necessarily risk factors. Risk factors are going to be more like the violence in the home, having um, you know the issues with the mother. These are things that can be overcome. Mm-hmm. But whenever you are looking at like it, the behavior is already escalating to the severity of the bedwetting, the arson, that violent behavior, like that's kind of the result of risk factors and how they've manifested in in a person. So. Yeah. Another stuff on top of all of this is Gary had a learning disability. He was dyslexic. This is another major, this is a risk factor. This is something that you can overcome. Children work through this all the time. Uh, but on top of everything else, this was this was an, one more thing. It caused major difficulties in school, which that's mm-hmm. peer rejection happens as a result of that. There's social issues. Just so many things kind of compiling here to create this storm. And this is during a time where special attention was not really given to kids in this way. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we know this now. This is like the late 50s, early 60s mm-hmm. that he's going to school. So in today's world, we know that children who are struggling with reading or comprehension or math or whatever, like, they need extra attention. They need tutoring to get them caught mm-hmm. up. Like, we facilitate that now. But this was not a time where that was addressed. So um, his IQ was described as being in the low 80s, which isn't, like, super low functioning. It's like a Forrest Gump level. Mm-hmm. It's like a, you know, kind of some social awkwardness. Like, not... Right. Y- y- it's... 
just, you know, be a little below average. But violent behavior starts happening here and trigger warning, this is not good. So he escalates. He decides to stab a six-year-old child when he is 16. He was never actually connected to this case until mm -hmm. like way, way later after he was caught as the Green River Killer and he confessed this. Um, but the little boy survived, so it was really lucky. But Gary led this child into the woods and stabbed him through the ribs oh and God. into his liver. He said he wanted to know what it felt like to kill someone. So this is really troubling. It That's gets a lot horrible. worse, but that is his first, like, overtly violent act on another person mm -hmm. like this. And that's the first known, but he, he confessed to everything, so I feel like he, if he had done anything else, he would have talked mm -hmm. about it. So the next section I have entitled Love of Sex Workers and Marriage. <laughs> so do you want, do you have any thoughts before we go into more of his adult kind of situation? Mm, We're just moving into like a sexed up murdery zone. <laughs> And lots yeah, of we're getting into like eighth house territory. Yeah. Like, you know, he's gone through childhood. He's gone through a lot of these lower houses at this point. Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised with the way his chart lays out for him to start at like teen years. Because when we get to eighth house is when it's the age where you would start to like have those kind of like sexual relationships. Like, you know, generally, like mm -hmm. generally speaking. Um, and this is where you start to see like more of his issues um kind of on the chart because he's also hitting his south node he's hitting like he had just he would have just gone past saturn and felt really restricted and then he's got his next planet is neptune which he also has retrograde along with saturn but uh his neptune placement has a lot of aspects to it that would make me feel like um i wrote uh lead to delusions challenging him getting opportunities in life um and he gets really stuck in these like ideas about himself and the world so I, I just think that like having it come up with neptune here and the south node and the moon is in this house don't forget that so it's like he really like it's like that time of life where you're really dealing with those con with these concepts for him okay awesome. so this is where it's hitting hitting on All the right. chart in my opinion so we're going to get into his, like, late teens, early 20s, like, mm -hmm. like late adolescence, early emerging adulthood, mm -hmm. kind of transitional. This is a very transitional point in life for everybody. Eighth house. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. So Gary graduated high school in 1969, and then he got married at the age of 19. So for his first wife, he actually married his high school sweetheart named Claudia, but not a good relationship mm -hmm. so we'll get into it mm -hmm. gary joined the navy okay and he was sent to vietnam that was oh. you know yeah do you see okay so i wasn't sure what was going on in capricorn oh. um but he's got jupiter there and folis so it, it makes some sense where he was he was getting opportunities and he was traveling through like um an organized like a major organized group we've talked about capricorn in that way kind yeah. of before yeah um and especially with like military, navy, that kind of stuff, like yeah. uh, all of that coming up a lot of times through Capricorn because it's this big establishment and big structure, and you're really like working on ranks and like all. Anyway, yeah. Um, having Jupiter there and Follis, I think, 
fits for this. It also is in his like 11th and 12th houses. So um, I think it, it relates to a lot of those parts of himself where it's like a little bit of isolation, but also he's like dealing with this mass group of people as yeah. his, as his um, like social network at the time. Yeah, he actually um, served on a supply ship. So he oh, wow. he saw combat firsthand, so more mm -hmm. violence. This is not a great thing for somebody who's got like so many risk factors already to add more violence and triggering mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, this is pretty, pretty rough here. During his time in the military, he frequently visited sex workers and he got gonorrhea. So oh. he gets gonorrhea. This pisses him off. You know, obviously he's like pretty unhappy about it. But he continued um, to have sex with sex workers mm -hmm. without protection. So he's continuing to engage it. in this behavior. Like, mm -hmm. yes, not good. Very stupid. Uh, so his marriage ended within a year. Didn't didn't work out. It was like, run, mm -hmm. Claudia, please fucking run. Um, <laughs> so good for her. She got out without. She she got out unscathed. This mm -hmm. is good for her. Uh, he tries again with someone new, though. He really likes relationships. His Juno is conjunct the North Node, so he is going to strive for relationships. Yes. And, and committed relationships. Like, not just, I'm going to date this person. I'm going to marry them. Yes. <laughs> so, marriage is definitely for him. He's, mm -hmm. like, super into it. Uh, this one also ended in divorce, though. So, mm -hmm. his second wife was named Marsha Winslow. She claimed that he was violent and placed her in a chokehold one time. Then several of his ex-girlfriends um, said that, like, his sexual appetite was insatiable. So he has a really high sex drive. Mm -hmm. He does, you know, some violent things that, that don't sound consensual. Yeah. That's that's where the issue lies. If your partner doesn't consent mm -hmm. to what the fuck you're doing, you don't get to do it with right. that partner. Right. Like, no, that's not how it works. So um, it's one thing to have high sex drive, but it's mm -hmm. another to make aggressive sexual demands or inflict non-consensual sexual violence. So let's just be very clear about this. He and Marsha did have a child together. So they welcomed a son into the world in 1975 named Matthew. So okay. now he's living this life as like he's like a real family man now. He's a dad. He's a husband. But he's also being like sexually violent mm -hmm. towards his wife and like demanding high amounts of sex. So not it's not doing well in... The marriage. So mm -hmm. now we're going to talk about some religion, which I'll be interested to see how this shows up on his chart. I've titled this section Jesus to the Rescue. <laughs> Gary becomes religious during his second marriage. He was like doing door-to-door -door prophet sort of stuff and like, you know, mm -hmm. ministering to people. He would read the Bible aloud at work and at home, which is really intense to do at work, to just like loudly mm -hmm. be <laughs> that seems so intense if so, i i wouldn't be able to handle it if somebody was loudly reading the bible at work um, i feel like that's a that's a huge hr thing yeah fast. i don't know what year this was but and then this is know. the 1970s <laughs> maybe you could get away with it I but guess. it's just really funny so um but he also insisted that his wife follow the strict teachings of the pastor that he really liked at the church that they started going to. Mm -hmm. So he's becoming a little bit like crazy and controlling with it all and kind of using religion 
as a drug, really. He's kind of like high on this. Yeah, so he's, he's got um, Mars and Lilith in the first house in Pisces. And then opposing that, he has Saturn. So we do see a lot of this like, oh, powerful God, and I'm only a oh, terrible little human. And I'm like, I need to follow all of the little daily regimens and rules. You're going to die kinda when like, I read the next little section. It's kind of similar to the Salem Witch Trial stuff we talked about. Like, You're going to love this. He would frequently cry after sermons or reading the Bible. It's like really intense. So it's like this, I'm the not shame worthy. of being a human. The shame of being a human. Yeah. I literally wrote it feels like shame yep. is the source of his like <laughs> tears in this situation. Like, so that's really funny that you said it the way he you said it. He has these really intense oppositions, and mm -hmm. I wasn't sure how that was going to come up. And it can also come up in this way of him really needing it to use it as an escape. Uh -huh. um, or, you know, if he is going to. With a lot of Pisces stuff, when they when people with a lot of Pisces placements start to struggle, they tend to want to escape. And sometimes that's addiction. Sometimes that's, you know, really being obsessed with video games. Sometimes that's um, turning to all-powerful God because you're really a lowly human that doesn't deserve anything. Uh, especially when you have Saturn in Virgo opposing all of those placements. Oh, uh, is it similar to having a Pisces sun with a Virgo rising? Because it feels familiar. It feels, <laughs> it feels familiar to me. Uh, <laughs> so he did have this like struggle inside of him because as much as he's like into all this conservative mm -hmm. stuff, he's also like asking his wife to participate in like public sex acts and in mm -hmm. what is what is referred to as inappropriate places i don't really know mm -hmm. what defines that um but sometimes he would take her to where his victim's bodies were later discovered so he had like areas like he's taking her to like dumping grounds and like uh it's super gross um yeah so there's <sighs> Yeah. More than anything, wow. he seemed to be super conflicted about his own sexual desires. Like, I'm mm -hmm. this big sinner, but this is how I feel. This is what I want. And this yep. is what I want to do. And I want to be... He's really struggling with this a whole, whole lot. And when you have all that shame on you, like, it makes it easy to be like, oh, well, then, then God, I just need to turn to God. Because a lot of the way that the churches teach... Um, Christianity is in this like really shameful mm -hmm. like it, it lines up with their worldview yeah uh, so it, it's easy for them to go into it I think um, when you're when they're already in a place like this mm -hmm. yeah he's just like a walking contradiction because he's openly complaining about all the sex workers mm -hmm. in the area but at the same time he's also soliciting these women for yeah, sex acts absolutely. so he's he, he's paying them and he's mad that they're there but he's utilizing their services while they're there it's this like condemning of his own behavior condemning of the self like mm -hmm. this is a really that's exactly what it is that's very right. punishing way to exist yeah. um yeah uh, a saturn opposition will do that it's it's opposite his sun and mars so it's literally like oh all these restrictions on my passion and on my sense of self mm -hmm. and my ego and my aggression and all of that and then he, he's still doing it like he's still it's in his first house he's you can't turn away from anything in your first house you can you learn you can learn to work with these things in a different way but like he's always going to be approaching life in this very ego centric mars aggressive sexual type of detached way yeah. with, with, with uh first house lines up 
Anyway, go ahead. Okay. So <laughs> the last section was called Jesus to the Rescue. This section is called actually Judith to the Rescue because spoiler alert. This his, is the third wife. His second marriage to Martha didn't work out. Okay. It didn't last. Um, can you believe it? Uh, probably because he was out being a total monster. It's mm -hmm. fine. He got another divorce, and he married for a third time in 1985. And this is super significant. It actually slowed down his crime spree. Okay. So his new wife, Judith Mawson, later said that she felt like she saved a lot of lives when she was with him because she made him happy. And she had no idea what he was up to. This was like an after-the-fact wow. statement. Yeah. So... She usually went to work, like, early in the morning, and she would go in early to get overtime. So, mm -hmm. that's when they think he was doing this, when he's, like, by himself in the early morning hours. So, he's out being gross. She claimed that she never suspected that he was guilty of any of this uh, before she was contacted by authorities in 1987. Mm. And she had never heard of the Green River Killer. Like, she wasn't mm -hmm. aware, even though it was in the area she lived in. It mm -hmm. was a huge deal, and there was a task force, like... She was kind of immune to it because she didn't watch the news. And mm -hmm. at the time, there was no social media. There's no other way that she's going to, like, you had to kind of be paying attention mm -hmm. to hear stories back then, even bigger ones. So media has come a long way, uh, probably to our detriment. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, um, it's just kind of a, a fun fact. But, okay, of his 49 known victims, only three of them were killed after he married Judith. So, mm. she really did, like, wow. for whatever reason, fulfill something in him mm -hmm. um, where it's, yeah, he, he, it was kind of like a, she plugged the holes in him that were, like, leaking out crazy all over town, all over the Green River. Do you, it makes like, sense. Do you yeah. like my phrasing sense. of that? Uh -huh. Perfect. So, a little section of just kind of who the fuck Gary is, because we really haven't talked a lot about him. It's more about, like, what he's doing, mm -hmm. what's going on in his life, but not a whole lot about, like, how he's described, how he comes off. What do people say about him? What do they think about him? So, people described him that were close to him as friendly, mm -hmm. but strange. So, he's given off a weird vibe. He's, something about him is awkward and feels off. But uh, it's interesting compared to other serial killers. He's super emotional. And we talked about yeah. this with his moon and everything. Mm -hmm. That's not common because most of our serial killers and serial, you know, offenders like this, serial rapists, anything like that, they're, they're usually certified psychopaths. Mm -hmm. So they're emotionally shallow people. They only are mimicking other, other emotions to kind of further their agenda. They don't experience grief, shame, guilt, or any of the normal, normal in quotes, you know, typical emotions that somebody who's not a psychopath will feel. So the general public will feel, you know, if you accidentally trip somebody, you'd be like, oh, I feel really bad. I'll help you up. Like, that's a normal mm -hmm. response to something that happens. Like a psychopath right. wouldn't have, they would, they would know. Think, oh, I sh it's a, it would be appropriate for me to do this because Correct. everyone else does that. So I should do They've that. They've been socially yeah. trained to do these things, but they're not mm -hmm. doing it from a place of feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very, very interesting. But this is crazy. After one of his crimes, after one of his murders, he, Gary, laid down next to the body and cried. 
So he's feeling remorse like immediately, feeling large amounts of shame. It's all his religious convictions because it's Mm -hmm. driving him to, he's like going to this extreme place in his sexuality Mm -hmm. and then immediately feeling like he needs to repent. He has a a lot of emotional stuff tied into this on his like no aspect network over here. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not too surprised by that. So he's just kind of an awkward guy. Most people said that, like, he seemed harmless. He seemed safe. He was never, like, aggressive. He didn't... He just seemed like a very average guy. Like, he Mm -hmm. worked in, I think... I I have it in my notes here somewhere. He worked in a paint factory. Like, he wasn't, like, a a showy kind of guy. Real normal. Wife, kid. Like, just go to work. Go home. So people were very surprised with all of this. So... If you're ready, we can go ahead and get in the crimes. Yeah, I'm gonna. Oh, oh. no, go ahead. If you're, uh, yeah, before I talk, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna pause it. Okay. So go ahead. <laughs> okay, we'll get into the victimology here. So the types of victims he chose, like I already said, were mostly sex workers, but it really just depended on availability. That's what he really cared about. So all nationalities, mm-hmm. all ages, um, really just between like 15 to 23 years old. So young women, but like not as specifically like I'm looking for a teenager, not mm-hmm. specifically. He, he was looking for an available person, a vulnerable person who's not going to be tracked, missed. So a runaway, a sex worker, somebody who is yeah. less tracked. So it's, it's easier for him to get away with it. So he was tactful, mm-hmm. you know, in his selectiveness, but it's, it's just like whoever's available. So it's, it's tactful, but maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> you can kind of, you can frame it both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but the commonality, sex workers, runaways. Most of the girls who were sex workers actually knew each other as well because of their line of work. When you're working the streets, you like get to know the other, the other girls and what area they're in. And like you right. get to, you're all kind of, you probably share clients. Uh, so the girls were knowing when somebody would go missing. Mm-hmm. So they were aware to an extent of like when the girls are getting picked off or like they went with this guy and didn't come back. Like they, they you start to recognize that, especially yes. when your life depends on it. Yes. You, you start to recognize that stuff. So patterns. police didn't know they had a serial killer on their hands until they found the first six victims. They were all along Washington's Green River. So he had a specific dumping site for them. All of them had died of asphyxiation as well. So they had been strangled. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is only, this is a fun fact right here. This is, oh, this is a good time. I forgot I put okay. this whole sidebar in here. I should have like notated it better for myself, but this was an exciting part. So only eight years after Ted Budney's reign of terror in Seattle. So this is the same town, new serial killer. Mm-hmm. Ted Bundy's already... In prison, mm-hmm. like he's already serving his sentence. So um, when police see this happening, though, they're not fucking around. They're trained for this now. Mm-hmm. Like they've already like caught a serial killer. Mm-hmm. So everything's good. And a fun Bundy fact: Ted Bundy assisted with this investigation for the Green River Killer. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I'm not fucking around this time. I'm not joking. I like to prank her a that lot, so, so I don't know if she believes me when I say crazy shit on this podcast. That's believable, I think. I said Anna Delvey was going to be our new co-host on the last episode, so that was a lie. This is true. He offered his opinions on the psychology, motivations, and behavior of the killer. And I would absolutely listen to that because Ted Bundy was a serial killer with a psych degree. Oh my God. So he knows what the fuck he's talking about. He suggested that the killer was revisiting his dump sites to have sex with the victims, Mm -hmm. which turned out to be true. 
And he also told the police that if they found a fresh grave, they should stake it out and wait for him to come back. Super smart advice. I feel like Bundy was not, like, playing games either. I feel like he was having a good time, too, like, being real arrogant. Like, I can just feel him being like, I am expert. Like, wow. Look, you've come to the right place, fellas. I feel fellas. like my brain just expanded. Uh-huh. So listen to season two, episode eight, if you haven't, for the astrology of Ted Bundy. Um... So we can go back to Gary's crimes now, but that was a fun little wow. detour that we should, yeah, I, wow. I, I needed to include that. Are you okay? I'll I eventually. Okay. I'll eventually. All right. I just, we'll give you a moment to recover <laughs> if you, if you so need, but so Gary in the eighties and the nineties, he's believed to have murdered at least 71 teenage girls and young women near Seattle and Tacoma, Washington. So oh my God. in court statements, he later confessed that he had killed so many that he lost count. Fuck. It's awful. Uh, majority of the murders occurred between 1982 and 1984. So he went really hard for two years. And the rest were kind of sprinkled around that before and after. So after, again, after he married Judith, he only had three murders. So there's a really concentrated time period. Mm -hmm. I didn't pull the timeline for this. And now I really wish I would have. We can maybe do that for Patreon. Yeah. Uh, at a later date, that would be a fun Patreon episode. So get on our Patreon. Uh, but he commonly picked his victims up on the Pacific Highway South. He killed most of his victims in his home or his truck or in a secluded area. So most of their bodies, like I said, were dumped around the Green River and wooded area or in the water. So, yeah. That's that's what we that's what we got going on. Um, the next wow. part is his actual methodology. And actually how he um, committed his crimes. Are we ready to get into that? Because then after that, it's the investigation. I guess this yeah, is the final, like, like... Yeah, this is all about it. Yeah, this is more Tell intensity. The, more triggers. The rest about it. More triggers. Uh, probably a little mm -hmm. bit more because this has details about okay. the victims. So he came across as meek, mild, safe non-threatening just an average guy family man mm -hmm. uh sometimes he would you're gonna not like this he would pick up sex workers with his child in the car with him to let they would really let their guard down he would also show pictures of his son and talk about his life as a dad so he's like super manipulative wow uh the women of course saw like oh he's a family man i don't have to be scared of this one like oh he's definitely not the green river killer like they they felt spoiler just because people show you pictures of their kids doesn't actually mean anything doesn't even mean that they have kids yeah yeah if pictures of kids i don't have kids but i could show you pictures of kids really easily like yep. All my friends have kids. I know a lot of people that'll talk to you like, you know, they spend all, you know, they do a lot of things with these kids uh, and, you know, they might have not seen them in like 10 years. Like it's yep. not, it's not always how it seems. You can frame it how you want, I suppose. Ask more questions is the real uh, lesson here. But he preferred to take women to his house, like I said. Mm -hmm. uh, more privacy. But if they didn't want to do that, he would take them to the woods in his truck. He had a camper, like a canopy mm -hmm. on the back, so it was covered. It had some privacy. So that's where they would go to engage in sex. And then after a few minutes of intercourse, he always made sure that he was behind them. So he positioned himself from behind. Right. So he was in a position of dominance and kind of preparing for the attack. So 
he would wrap his forearm around the front of their necks and use the other arm to pull back as tightly as he could. So mm-hmm. he's asphyxiating mm-hmm. his victims in that way uh, during sex. He recalls a particular account later when he's interviewed uh, where a victim fought back and it mm-hmm. made him feel a lot of rage. Yeah. So he continued to feel rage after his victims were deceased. Sometimes he would light their hair on fire and, like, do, like, desecrate their bodies. Right. Another time, this is specific, so specific trigger warning, uh, what he did to a victim. He covered her head with a brown paper bag. He placed a dead fish on her neck, and he put ground beef in one of her hands. So it's really strange. It's really terrible. It's really a disgusting thing to do on top of the other. It's, like, more dehumanizing, demoralizing, like... Wow. Gross. Uh, very wanting power, wanting mm-hmm. dominance, wanting control. And the bodies were all left in clusters. So he just has... It's I can't even imagine. Like, I, I've not seen any pictures of these crime mm-hmm. scenes. Uh, now I feel like I should. But mm-hmm. he also posed the bodies. And they were mm-hmm. usually completely nude. So... He went back, like Ted Bundy predicted, he went back and he had sex with his victims post-mortem for days after. So, engaging in necrophilia, which is a major concern, um, he mentioned, this is super gross, that the flies and the maggots would make it less appealing after a few days. So, like, you know, that would make, that would be the deterrent. There was, like, a time frame on it, Mm -hmm. which is so fucked up to think about, so... A lot of necrophiliacs, though, like, the reason that they prefer their victims that way is because they want somebody who is completely submissive. Mm-hmm. That's not really the case here. Yeah. Uh, but that is the most common, someone mm-hmm. like Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. season one, episode nine, if you want to hear that story. But he liked his victims to be entirely submissive and was drugging them in the beginning and then, like, started actually killing them because he wanted to, like, keep them right. with him. So someone who could never leave. Right. And someone who's just fully submissive. He didn't like a conscious yeah. victim. But obviously, like Gary Ridgway did. So he didn't find necrophilia satisfying, mm-hmm. really. Like he said it wasn't really like a, a thing he enjoyed, but it reduced the number of corpses that he was it, mm-hmm. it like Like he could go back and revisit that yes, experience. Instead of killing again. Yeah, so it reduced the number of, like, living victims because it's hard to just keep picking mm-hmm. them up and getting away with it. So he would kind of buy some time for himself before he had to do it again. Yeah. So it's kind of like a reducing his risk of getting caught. So there's, like, a practicality in his mind to this disgusting, sick thing he's fucking doing. He's reasoning it mm-hmm. out, like, oh, well, you know, it's like having leftovers to him. Yeah, like exactly. It's I'm rationalizing. Just, yes, it's a really fucked up framework of how he is processing this as he's doing it, and the way he talks about it is very much like that. Wow. It's like a process procedure type. Well, here's the reason behind this. Like, it, it's, it's this very... This is what makes sense. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's very uh, intense. So, that is uh, all on his crimes before the next section is barriers to the investigations. If you are in Northwest Arkansas and looking for affordably priced photography and videography services, then you should definitely reach out to Nice NWA. Yes, you should. With photo sessions starting at $100, now is a great time to update your company's headshots, get graduation photos, new family pictures, and more. 
Looking for video work instead? Yes, videos start at just $300 and are a great way to boost your marketing engagement online with current customers and potential new customers. It's also a great way to create highlight reels of your next event or just to tell your story in an exciting and creative way. NICE is not just locally owned and operated, but is also a certified minority and veteran-owned business that started right here in Northwest Arkansas in 2017. So go check them out on Facebook or on Instagram at NICENWA or by visiting their website at NICENWA.com. Um, so I'm not surprised at a lot of this like sexual component with how much the Scorpio moon is involved in this um, chart situation. Uh, there is this trine over to the Mars placement and the sun is actually right there too. So I'm not sure if I've talked too much about his first house. Um, but he's got the sun as his very first placement in Aquarius and it's right at the last degree of Aquarius. So it does have some kind of this, if you do cusps, like it does have a little bit of this Pisces flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Pi or Aquarius risings can come off uh, friendly, but like different, like eccentric, yeah, like a quirky. Yeah, like oh, they're kind of their own person. Like you know, like it's not always. Um, it's more of like a unique character in the world. It's usually yeah. how they show up. That um, is what people said mm-hmm. about him. Like he's different. Yeah, he's interest. He's he's different. Um, even idealistic and um, so a lot, a lot of them can be more socially conscious. Like Aquarius placements generally are um they kind of can detach about what the what the things they care about and try to come up with like a structure to to like serve that thing that they care about um i'm not sure if we see too much of that that side of him um but i mean i feel like the structure he created was his schedule and window to commit his crimes like he kind of that's true and he tried to think like oh well he tried to be practical about like well if i have leftovers then i'll yeah. kill less people and it'll be better like he mm-hmm. yeah he had he had a method to it but it mm-hmm. just yeah there's a lot of randomness in there but it, mm-hmm. he tried to make at least a structure that helped him facilitate what he wanted to do and get away with it for longer so right very self-serving kind of thing mm-hmm. but um there's it's kind of this like back and forth thing because aquarius placements can have um, they can be more like unaffected by power and status. However, he has this conjunction, like first thing in this house where it's like, um, very egocentric. So it's almost kind of like it's balancing out or like it's, it's a very odd combo. Yeah. Um, cause generally speaking, <clears throat> the son in the first house is someone who has a strong sense of self, very self-assured. Um, they know who they are and what they are about. But he does have this, this like, Neptune quincunx to it and that Saturn opposition. So it's like every time he uses that energy, like, first of all, Aquarius kind of makes it feel weird. <laughs> and then he's got these uh, aspects that are kind of giving him these delusions and this, like, sense of shame about it. So yeah. it's, it's really confusing for someone who wants to kind of be um, self prioritizing for it to also have parts for himself that are so against that. Um, and I'm sure that showed up more in his childhood in the way that he was traumatized as a child. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's also a, a, this is a sign of long life. 
having the son in the first house. Wow. Um, and he is pretty old. Mm -hmm. He is living a long time so far. He's in his 70s mm -hmm. now? Yeah, I think he saw, saw 73. his 73. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. we did the same thing. <laughs> yep. And then um, also a high energy output. This is the kind of person that can, like, really just kind of, like, keep going. They have a lot of vitality in the way they approach life. So this might be someone who even, like, burns the candle at both ends. Like, they, they're, like, always doing stuff. Yeah, um, it is interesting because he um, is committing his crimes much later in life than mm -hmm. what a standard criminal is going to be a bit younger, more agile. Like normally, we talk about this a lot on the podcast where mm -hmm. there's an aging out of crime. Right. Where the older somebody gets, the less likely they are to commit, especially these types of very physical, very violent, very yeah. interactive crimes. And he's still, you know, doing it well within his like 40s. Like he's not... It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's not, yeah, it's really not the common. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it sets them apart a little bit from other serial offenders. Serial mm -hmm. offenders will kind of do it until they can't anymore. Like with um, mm -hmm. uh, Golden State Killer, you saw that. Like, yeah. he didn't stop killing until he started, like, where he couldn't overpower his victims anymore. Like, he started, it started becoming too risky for him to continue to engage in it because he wasn't physically able to mm -hmm. get out of there because he was on foot. That was how he committed his crimes and on a bicycle and like fleeing over jumping oh, wow. fences and doing all that kind of shit. So as he like degraded physically, he was like stopped committing crimes. Huh. Um, so I wonder if Gary Ridgway, if because he went 20 years undetected, like if he had made it another 20 mm -hmm. years, would he have still been like very mural? Still going. And, like, yeah. Did he have that sense of, would he still have that sense of vitality and be? Maybe so. I don't know. I, I mean, there's, there's, you know energy evidence to support that i also think a lot of what he relied on was getting his victims into a vulnerable position where they didn't see it coming he wasn't invading their home mm -hmm. the way Golden State it was more Killer of a was. sneaky like yes. approach but not yeah they like, already are in a vulnerable in a sexual position with mm -hmm. their back to the like they're literally in the middle of sex mm -hmm. or right after sex so yeah. You know, you're in a different kind of state. Mm -hmm. It's a very vulnerable yes. space. Yes. But it's not like outright being sneaky, breaking into a home. Right. Um, where you're planning. Which I think is where we see like that like moon placement rather than like a sun placement mm -hmm. as well. That's super interesting. Yeah. You compare right? those two. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, their Mars would make a difference there, but I can't remember his Mars right now. Um there, I was also thinking about his Venus placement because he's got Venus in Aquarius as well. It's in the 12th house. It's before that first. He also has Mercury there about the same spot. Wow. They're, they're, like, they're like 10 or 11 degrees apart. Um, but Venus in Aquarius can kind of give this a very objective view about relationships, envisioning idealism, um, drawn to individualistic people, and like aesthetics, more of like an innovative love and relationships approach. Uh, this can feel like, this can make them feel like they're an outsider in terms of love and like mess with their sense of worthiness in love um, and worthiness in general because Venus is about your personal values as well. Mm -hmm. um, but generally he's going to value freedom and individual individualism. Um, and then in the 12th house, it kind of makes all of this all these matters of the heart and personal values centered around the subconscious and isolation or confinement, um, escapism or addiction, uh, 
divine connection or spiritual work and artisticism. Like there's this kind of like um, weird pull where it, he values like alone time more and he values having these personal escapes. He mm-hmm. values, he probably had kind of an artistic eye. Like he, you saw, he did, you did mention he would pose the victims after, mm-hmm. uh, after he worked as a painter. Oh yeah, he did. Didn't I he? mean, he wasn't painting like yeah. murals or anything, but he was doing something with yeah. physical, mm-hmm. um, like making things beautiful. With art supplies and, um, yeah. um mm-hmm. he ultimately needs a partner that he can get lost in. Um, and like fulfill all those like little things that he needs like that, Mm. like deep sense of emotional connection, the Scorpio moon and then the sexuality and he needs like this escapism type of idea. Like he has a lot of like things, um, where I kind of feel like that last wife, that third wife kind of like must've really just hit all those right buttons. Judith was a a good thing for him. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness Mm -hmm. that she came into his life because it significantly slowed down what he was (laughs) doing, which makes me Mm -hmm. think even more likely, like if he had quit offending entirely, that it Mm -hmm. would probably be more likely to his, like attributed to his relationship and personal happiness than a physicality issue. Right. Like it, like he's like, well, I'm fulfilled. I don't really have to do that. Yeah, like, and his, his or as Juno, much. his Juno and North Node, which are conjunct, make a quintile to Venus, the Venus placement. Um, so like some of that Venus stuff that he deals with, like his outlet is like he can come up with a creative solution through marriage, and, and wow. so that is like shown on the chart as well. And I think that's really what he tries to do because he does have a moral dilemma about yes about the actual crimes yes he does experience Um, shame he does mm -hmm. have a lot of emotions like he does have remorse which is so interesting Uh, it is because you don't see that a lot from someone who's killed this many people right they usually are very detached and don't feel anything so Mm -hmm. it's it's really yeah he's different in a lot of ways right um and it also will that venus like uh quintile will also kind of help him with his life path in general like he has the north node in aries in the second house and so his south node is in libra in the eighth house so it's like a lot of past shadow you know sexual stuff um but he's going towards this like aries second house place which is really embracing the earthly presence of his self um and and finding this type of security in this world right here um he's integrating from the past that unseen knowledge and sexuality and death and all those darker intense elements of life like it like there is like a path it's not an it doesn't look like an easy one but there is like a pathway that he could um like find a better solution for that energy and so it's nice to see that he did try like at least he was trying he was putting Um, an effort to Right. To resolve this. Like, he saw this as a problem. That's the other thing. Most of the killers we're looking at don't see it as a problem. They see it as something they enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't mind doing. They're not, like, upset about doing it. But he was really, like, internally battling with with what he was doing. So he's he's an unusual character in a lot of ways. He really is. So we're going to get into some legal stuff now. We're going to talk first about barriers to the investigation. Things that made, we already mentioned all the scorpionic themes Mm -hmm. and it taking a long time for people to put this together. Mm -hmm. So here we go. Um, One of the first barriers was 
having a lot to do with Gary Ridgway's victimology because again, he's picking runaways and he's picking sex workers and the local sex worker community was not very forthcoming with information. They didn't trust law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an issue because the witnesses are not willing to speak to the authorities, even right. though this is like put, like a direct threat to their livelihood and well-being. They're still afraid. There's a lot more fear then. You know, uh, sex work has changed a lot over the years. Um, but this still was, doesn't seem to be nervous about. Like I could still see them not wanting to talk now. Right. But maybe a little less so. It's also less. Sex work isn't conducted quite this mm -hmm. way anymore where right. you're standing on a corner being picked up by strangers mm -hmm. you know the internet has made it a lot safer mm -hmm. for sex workers uh, to facilitate a transaction and have a credit card there's other options there's a way to identify the person usually through some form of transaction so it's a little and you can kind of vet it out mm -hmm. and you're in contact beforehand versus just being picked up getting into a car with a stranger mm -hmm. that does still exist but it is not as common that mm -hmm. was the only way yeah you were um doing sex work back then so it, it's it's definitely changed a lot, but uh, still a huge barrier even today. So as more women are going missing, tips start to come in. And Gary's blue and white truck was identified by a woman who narrowly escaped an attack. Mm -hmm. So she made it away from him. Uh, he approached her on the highway, offered her a ride, pulled a gun on her, forced her to give him oral sex, and then he released her afterwards. So this was like... He didn't normally release his victims, so mm -hmm. this was a, you know, ended up being a bad thing for him in the long run as far as getting away with stuff, but a great thing for everybody else because we don't want him to get away with stuff. We want this guy to be stopped because he's a maniac. So um, she went straight to the police, and, and at the time, another guy was the main suspect, though. So uh, he wasn't taken mm -hmm. as seriously as they were like, no, we already got the guy, we already got a good suspect. Uh, so we're not, his last name was Clark. And this was one that was mentioned on Unsolved Mysteries. Mm -hmm. But it, I couldn't find it anywhere documented because the suspect was innocent. So they didn't, yeah. he's not tied to the case. So like the, the last name I have is Clark. I struggled to find more on him, but he was actually committing very similar crimes. And it confused the investigation. So sexually violent assaults were happening mm -hmm. with him as well. So, um, yeah, and in the same area. But by the spring of 1983, they formed, the, 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 the task force was, like, running out of ideas, running out of options, running out of leads, starting, it's, everything's kind of starting to dry up. <laughs> and the sex workers are still disappearing. So, we're going to talk about another suspect who was a bit of a barrier here. So, Bill Stevens, in January of 1989, this guy was... Found to have, they really thought he was the guy for this reason. He had a fully equipped police car registered to a non-existent city. He had an ambulance, a motorcycle, and several other things that made him seem like he's this viable suspect who's like really using deceptive tactics mm -hmm. to get his victims. Like he seems like he's got a full operation. Like, oh, well, this guy's so elaborate. This is clearly our, our guy. Um... But he wasn't. They searched his house. They did find a secret room with a bed in it. They mm. found a store mannequin dressed in women's lingerie that was provocatively posed. Mm -hmm. So even though he's doing some, I don't know, maybe not run-of-the-mill everyday activity here, 
he does not, I mean, it's conclusively proven that he's not the killer. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about how Gary gets definitively caught. But also, Bill Stevens had a solid alibi. His brother gave him a solid alibi. He was cleared. But this is interesting because in the episode of Unsolved Mysteries, Mm -hmm. I mentioned already it was filmed before they proved Gary Ridgway was the subject. So Bill's brother throws him under the bus and says he's pretty sure his brother is uh, the Green River Killer. Mm -hmm. So his brother, like, basically the same person who gave him the alibi is now coming out saying, like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, actually, no. Um, But DNA, another Scorpio-type theme, is how uh, Gary Ridgway was found guilty of these crimes. Same with GSK. Very, very similar because that was the only Mm -hmm. way that he was linked. So, um, yeah, so we know that this Bill Stevens character is not the guy, even though his brother, like, gave him kind of a sketchy alibi, and he made public statements, like, pretty sure my brother's Mm -hmm. the guy. So that's just (laughs) kind of interesting. I I wonder if they are still close as brothers after that public statement, because probably not. I'd be curious. Uh, Yeah, we'll do a (laughs) follow-up. I'll, I'll, no, we won't. Uh, Anyway... (laughs) So Gary himself was another barrier to the investigation. Mm-hmm. He purposely did things to... Throw them off. Yes, to throw everything off. So he occasionally contaminated the dump sites of the bodies. So mm-hmm. he would leave things... Which in one sense, it's like contaminating. But now from a forensic standpoint, it's like mm-hmm. giving more evidence. But he would put like gum, cigarettes, uh, written materials belonging to other people. Mm-hmm. He transported some of his victims across state lines to get them into Oregon. So he's trying to like mm-hmm. do some things to throw police off his trail. But we're going to get into how he got caught. So we're catching Gary. Catching Gary is the name <laughs> of the section. <laughs> So they were, the police were already familiar with him. Again, they'd had some some tips about his truck, things like that. But he was arrested two times, once mm-hmm. in 1982, again in 2001, on charges related to solicitation of prostitution. So he's already on their radar. They've already had him in custody a couple of times. The way he comes off, once again, is he doesn't come off as somebody who could be capable of these crimes. But at the very least, he was on their radar. At one point, he was named a suspect because of his truck in 1983. But in 1984, he passed a polygraph test when he was questioned about the crimes, <laughs> and they didn't have anything on him. They didn't that have was any like evidence. All they could do, yeah, right. And like, mm-hmm. it, you know, they don't allow polygraphs. Like, it's not admissible in court. Mm-hmm. They're they're really unreliable. But more than anything, it's a way to see if somebody's willing to talk to you or willing to do it. That alone, yeah, is. In the eyes of law enforcement, like a like a guilt or innocence type thing, like somebody who is innocent would be more likely, mm-hmm. you know, but not always, because you have plenty of psychopaths who are confident yeah. that they can just pass a polygraph, no big deal. Mm-hmm. And he did. But on April 7th, 1987, so literally like two weeks after I was born, I was like, mm-hmm. that's interesting. <laughs> um, police took hair and saliva samples from Gary. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness they did that. Um, they, they held on to it because he had mm-hmm. been in and out and they were like, we're just going to get a profile from him, you know, mm-hmm. and this is right before DNA was really happening and like it was very early stages and there was a huge break in the case when one of the victims had been trailing Gary, mm-hmm. he was watching his, his, his girlfriend, uh, get picked up and he was like following her for safety. So he's able to identify 
the vehicle that she was picked up in. Um, but again, police had a hard time because of his personality. They just really didn't think this family man could be the guy, but they um, compared the DNA sample to samples found at the crime scenes. Mm -hmm. So they definitively knew that he was their guy. This was the evidence for the arrest warrant for these crimes. So no doubt about it. Uh, other evidence against him included a report from a forensic scientist who used or who identified a microscopic spray paint like amount. Oh. It was specific to the brand and the composition of paint used at the Kentworth factory wow. where he worked during that time frame where these victims were killed. Because with products like that, they're constantly making changes, mm -hmm. the chemical component or the brand or all these things. So it just happened to all align perfectly. Wow. Uh, so there's chemical evidence, there's mm -hmm. DNA evidence, there's all the science -y evidence. So we'll get into the aftermath of it because he's caught. He's fucked. He's, yeah. he's, yeah. You can't deny that there's DNA. So he did a lot of interviews. Mm -hmm. Actually, mm -hmm. we, okay. we love when they do interviews. I know, I like hearing from them directly. Mm -hmm. He worked with law enforcement agencies to recover the bodies of the victims. Okay. He talked about the individuals like they meant nothing to him, which is interesting because he's so emotional. So he's mm -hmm. coming off very removed. Mm -hmm. He did see them as objects. He didn't uh, really remember their names. He didn't remember their nationality. Like, he kind mm -hmm. of... They're very disposable I mean, to is him. A, this is a Scorpio moon. He's not going to just give away his feelings about yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's very protected in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, very guarded, I, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Judith. I feel so bad. She goes by Judy. Mm -hmm. I saw her in interviews. She did several interviews. I felt so, so <laughs> sad for her because she describes him as loving, gentle, and kind and what she oh. thought was the perfect man. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> So, it's, like, sometimes he would say, like, oh, I'm home late because I, I'm, I'm stopping to get food or I'm, I'm going to the junkyard or doing mm -hmm. something. Like, he would make excuses, but he was really picking up victims. And, again, there were more than 85 suspected wow. victims. So, in court, he was charged with 48 counts of murder. He pleaded guilty. He confessed to all of them. His wife, Judith, was devastated mm -hmm. listening to this in court. She didn't realize this was actually something he had done. So she was listening to him in the courtroom, like, tell yeah. firsthand what he did. And she started to, like, rethink her whole life. Think it was a lie. This poor woman. Judith, our hearts go out to you. Like, this is a terrible thing to go through. Um, prison shit. So he was placed in solitary confinement at Washington State Penitentiary. Then on May 14th, 2015, he was transferred to a high-security federal prison in Colorado. But then there was, like, a big to-do about it, uh, and they didn't want him there. He was oh. transferred back to Washington because they wanted him to be easily accessible for open murder investigations. So he is wow. a helper. Um, he was returned. And as far as I know, he's still at Washington State Penitentiary. Uh, so you can um, write him a letter and tell him he sucks. <laughs> I, I wish there was something. I feel like I don't know if there was somewhere we could, like, help Judith. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really know. It. Yeah, it'd be amazing if there was like some helping. I don't. I feel so bad for her. Like, and well, if for, you guys find any kind of like GoFundMe or anything right. for us to promo, we absolutely will. Yeah, I just and also for his son. Uh -huh. which I, this it's awful. Like, there's a whole family realizing that they 
um, have loved and trusted a monster. So mm-hmm. that's fucked up. So let's talk a little more. Let's chart this bitch a little more. Yeah, we have a little bit more. I wanted to talk about his midheaven after we saw how he was kind of witnessed by the public when they, when he became um, identified with the crimes and the tr- trial and all of that stuff. So um, his midheaven is what we want to look at for that. Um, this is how you are seen by the public. This is even like social media. This is your reputation. This is your... Um, you know, what you generally become known for. This can have to do with your lineage. This can have to do with your career and success. It can have to do with all of that stuff. Um, so for him, his midheaven is in Sagittarius. Uh, first placement in it is Chiron, and the second is Vesta, which is a pretty prominent um, situation up there to have. Um, a midheaven in Sagittarius, this is someone who... It comes off like they're a big picture thinker. They're known for uh, risk taking. They become known for um, coming off friendly and and um, maybe even be- bringing people together and being kind of funny. Like there is a lot of this kind of charm to that type of yeah. energy. Like people are kind of like, "Whoa, wasn't expecting him." Um, <laughs> but like there's um, also this idea with. Sagittarius being ruled by Jupiter, where um, if it's your midheaven, you're known for something big. Like, you're known for something that got to be really grandiose, really, like, um, something that went really far. Like, yeah. it was something that was taken really far. Yeah. Um, so he was known for that. Um, this is also someone who wouldn't want to show anything, like, that's not grand or promising, like, in general, uh, I'm not sure how this exactly would play out for him day to day, but like in general, like this kind of placement, like if you, I have this, this mid, this midheaven, <laughs> and um, like if you post something on social media with a Sagittarius midheaven, like there's a lot of times where you feel really uncomfortable if it doesn't perform well. Oh. And so like, you, or like it, it is kind of like, well, what was the point then? Like it almost feels kind of like you either went big or like it's not go worth hard it. Go harder, go home. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like if, if if Jupiter didn't, like, make it happen for you, like, it's almost like, oh. Um, wow. Like, it, but it's um, also known for being kind of adventurous, kind of, you know, definitely expansive, maybe spiritual, lucky. Um, he was also seen as lucky for not being caught for so long. And he was very spiritual, uh-huh. but not in, like, a healthy kind of way. He was no. spiritual in, like, a self-deprecating <laughs> way that I feel like really fueled yeah, and that's where yeah, I think we see some of this Chiron stuff. We yeah. see him really yeah, affiliated with trauma mm-hmm. and pain and struggle and um, all of these really difficult things. This alternatively could become a placement of healing. Like if you have this type of placement on your chart and you're not out there causing trauma, you could also use the template kind of placement to bring about healing. Yeah. Um, that would be the alternative of the use of that energy. Um, and then Vesta being there makes it where it's like he's really devoted to this. Like it's some, his soul is really devoted to that. He comes off like his soul is really devoted to this um, pain and this struggle and this trauma. Wow. Um, and that sounds terrible. There are some squares here. There's a square to his Mars, which we already know is involved with a lot of other crap on his chart. Um, so there's it's it makes it where like that like that Mars is directly involved. Um, there's an opposition to palace. Um, I think this is really interesting, just the way that it, it sits. I, I don't see, like, 
this type of like, oh, you know, Chiron's on like right after the exact degree, like super conjunct the yeah. heaven. So, um, yeah, this would be the kind of person who is a very great spiritual healer or someone like this. <laughs> it seems like he had both sides where he's going door to door. He's like mm -hmm. prophesizing to people. He's like doing ministry mm -hmm. work. He's like doing this like bigger yeah. purpose, sharing it. And like he's either doing that or he is murdering sex workers and dumping them in the woods and doing necrophilic stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's it's so like the dichotomy there is yeah. so extreme. Like it's it really is opposite sides of the pendulum. So it's really intense kind of. Uh, energy. Mm hmm So, that's... Do you have any... any Very other? fascinating. No, I think, I think that's it. Okay. Is that for me? You guys, that was Gary Ridgway, <laughs> the Green River Killer. Um, thank you so much for being here for that story. If you like what you heard today, not necessarily the details of the crime. So, if you love the information, the astrological analysis, the criminal analysis and the storytelling like if you are still here you fucking liked it like you need to let don't just let us know you should let us know let the like, world know subscribe mm -hmm. give let everybody know with a review mm -hmm. give us a rating we want to get five stars if we've earned it from you mm -hmm. like at this point we have but if you don't want to give us five stars like just don't bother like don't give us don't come in giving a low rating that's not <laughs> Especially if you sat through this whole thing. You liked it. Just admit it to yourself. That's so funny the way you said it. Okay. And tell everyone else that you know. Uh, if you Again, if you are the first person to do the five mm -hmm. shares and take a screenshot and send it to us, you're going to get a shout out at the top. We will call you an executive producer of this show. <laughs> at the a top. temporary, not permanent. Right. For one okay. episode, we will hype <laughs> the shit out of you. Um, you can put it on your resume. Yeah, we'll, um, okay. <laughs> you can put it on your resume that you were a single episode. And exactly. we're coming back for our season finale next time, mm -hmm. which I do want to talk about this. Yeah, I was thinking about that next. So smart. We're, we're reading each other's Genius. minds. And we're both so smart. <laughs> okay, anyway. Okay. <laughs> so what we're going to do for the season finale, we have not decided who we're going to cover. So for season three, episode 12, grand finale, we're going to have a poll on our Instagram mm -hmm. where you guys can vote. And we're going to, like, kind of phase them out. We're going to have a few polls of, like, which Process people. of elimination. Yes. So whoever's not getting votes. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're not voting for your favorite stories or the mm -hmm. ones you really want to hear about, like, they're not going to be covered. This is your... We want to hear from you. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Give us your opinions. Mm -hmm. Vote in our poll. You can help decide who we cover for the finale. Mm -hmm. If you have suggestions right now before we post that poll, like, please go ahead and leave those in the comments for us. We love hearing from you. We want to give you guys things from this podcast that you want. We just want to give you what you want. Yes. Uh, <laughs> exactly. We want to give you all the things you want. Um, again, you can get some merchandise. You can join our Patreon. You can find all the things at darklimatepodcast.com. Um, you can book personal readings with us. You can buy materials that we both published on Amazon. We're both mm -hmm. technically published authors. Woo-woo. So um, be sure to check all that out. Stay connected with us. And any other announcements before we leave today? No, I'm good. I'm good. Class is dismissed. Make sure that you continue to love yourselves and chart all the bitches in your life. Thanks, guys. Bye. -bye. Bye.